0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: It is either from the Spirit of God or from the Spirit of this world and if you are listening to stuff from the spirit of this world, you're going to hear the spirit of this world that's going to speak to you. And before long, you're not going to have an appetite for the things of God because your appetite is going to be filled with things that glitter, the things that glow, the things that everybody else is listening to. It has a great beat. The music is awesome. But the words, there's nothing to them. And yet there's a lot of Christian music with a great beat and awesome music. And yet the words are life.
0: Today on Truth in Christ, keep your heart from the world. Pastor Rob continues his teaching in chapter 4, where Moses is reminding the nation of Israel how they began to allow worldly influences to affect their lives. Even though they were always in danger of slipping away from God, they seemed to maintain their obedience under Moses' direction. However, because they began accepting worldly influences and began to worship other gods, they began to slip away from the spiritual influences of our God. Even today, as Christians, we must turn our senses away from the things of the world and diligently seek and abide in our Lord Jesus Christ so we do not move from God's spiritual influence on our lives. Now let's hear from Pastor Rob with the message for today.
1: 4, it says, but you held fast to the Lord your God and are alive today, every one of you. And you know, there's always blessings for obedience. Whenever we are obedient to God, he makes sure that you are blessed as a result. And even if it may be difficult for you, you have a peace in your heart. Have you ever had something where God told you to do something and being obedient to him meant you doing something that was hard and you went forward and you did it anyway, and then you have, even though it was difficult, you had this sense of peace in your heart that you did the right thing. It may have challenged you right to the core. It may have gotten you out of your comfort zone. It may have gone against everything of your personality. Because some people are very quiet and introverted, and God wants you to speak to somebody. It goes right against the grain of their personality. And God says, you know, I can, I can work through that. You don't have to be these guys who are, you know, down on Monroe Avenue yelling at people, telling you that God is angry with you and He wants to you know, He's gonna let you have it if you don't repent. You know, those kind of guys, you know, you gotta be careful of. You wonder, Lord, is is the Spirit of God in them when they get angry like that? God's not angry with people. He loves people. He took his judgment out on his son that he wouldn't have to pour out his wrath on them. But we speak to people, we love on them, we encourage them. Who would want to be attracted to somebody yelling and screaming at you? Is there anybody here that would be like, sign me up? Where do I sign? I want that church. Brimstone and fire, bring it on. Nobody wants that. Right. Verse 5, he says, Surely I've taught you statutes and just and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely, this is their, this is the witness. This is what people are saying about them. He says, if you, if you, if you do this, he says, people are going to say, surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's the witness of the children of Israel, to all the nations around them in obedience. And you know, God calls us to the same thing. You know, Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit and much fruit, right? We have to abide in him. We abide in the vine, and the vine, the sat, the, the moisture, the nutrients come up from that vine and give life to the branches. And what grows on those branches? Big, beautiful mangoes. <laughs> I had a mango tree in our yard, and my grandfather down in Florida, down on Pine Island, he He um, had this wonderful way. We had There was a certain mango. It was called a Kent mango. And then there was another one, and I think it was called a um, a Kent and a a Smith, I think it was, a Smith mango. One was known for its size. The other one was known for its really juicy flavor. And so what he did is he splinted two splints together from that tree, and he planted it in the earth. He watered it, and we had the best mangoes in all of Pine Island because they were big and they were sweet. They were a combination of the hybrid of these two. And uh, we ate mangoes like you would not believe. And I actually developed mango poisoning as a result. I worked at a mango farm, and within, uh, you know, I could eat the mango, but the sap on it is poisonous to most people and the skin. And so you've got to be really careful of that. So anyway, my point is, <laughs> is that God wants to, he wants big, fat mangoes hanging off your vine, off your branches, right? He wants you to be fruitful, right? I'm glad you like that. Yeah, he wants you to bear fruit and much fruit. And he wants that to, to grow and develop even more in your life, right? Because that's our witness. That's what people see when they go by. I mean, when you, is your life a, a representation of the truth of the gospel? You know, when people look at your life and the things that you say and you do, is it attracting people or is it repelling them? It's a good thing to ask. You know, Lord, is my life a light or is it a repulsion? Do I repulse people? Am I too legalistic? Am I saying God is angry with you and you've got to do this? Or are you seasoned with grace and salt? You don't have to be uh, nasty. We can be truthful. You can say the truth in love, right? Sometimes the truth in love is more effective than yelling and screaming and waving the Bible at them. If they know you love them, most people will listen to you. If, if they know that you're really doing it out of a sincere heart, they will, they will respect you. And they'll be like, you know, there's something about this guy, this gal, that I, I don't know what it is, but I want it, because how are they able to tell me something so deep and so hard, and yet I can feel the love of God in it? And to me, that's the, the mandate for all of us. And that has to be done by the Spirit of God, right? The greatest of these is love, right? Faith, hope, and, lo- or faith, uh, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, right? That's the mark. Verse 7 he says, For what great nation is there that has God near to it, as the Lord our God is near to is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him? He's saying, We can come to you for any reason, Lord. We don't even need to make an appointment. We just come before you and and, and you listen. And verse eight, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? And this is Moses saying, What nation is like this? Has there ever been a nation like that, that God would want to dwell among his people and give them righteous things? See, there are many people in Islam today who are giving their heart and their faith, and they're putting their faith in a false god, in a demon, in an entity. And because of this, the devil's desire is nothing but to destroy. And we see that on the news when another, you know, bus in Jerusalem, it hasn't happened in a long time, but buses blown up, you know, people massacred, all for the sake of Allah. And people become like who they worship. If you worship a false God, you worship a, they, they think they're worshiping God, but they're worshiping a, a demonic entity. They're worshiping a demon. And yet you and I worship the living and true God who loves. I think that's awesome. I love what Psalm 33 says. It says, Blessed is the nation whose God, Elohim, is the Lord. In other words, Jehovah. Blessed is the nation whose Elohim is Jehovah. And that's what we believe. We believe in Jehovah God, one true God. Blessed is the nation. May we become a nation again that truly loves the Lord our God. Instead of a nation who can say on and we can put on our currency, in God we trust, but we don't trust God. We trust in the money that that's printed on. And so we have a a decision to make as Americans. And I'm not not talking just about voting. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God, even though we should vote. (laughs) Verse 9, Only take heed to yourself, and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Notice, your eyes have seen this, he's speaking to this next generation. And lest you depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You can see it up here on the screen. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep it, guard it with all diligence. Your heart is a fortress that the enemy is trying to make inroads in on so many different areas, so many different things. Did anybody ever see that movie Jurassic Park? Remember the fence that was up around that compound? And these velociraptors, they were, they were going after the fence at different places. They were trying to find a weakness in that fence, in that electric fence. And they were trying to find it. And they would systematically go through that. That's what the devil is doing to your soul, to your heart, to your very life, right? You've got to keep, you've got to guard it with all diligence because through your eyes, through your ears, through your emotions, through the things you encounter, the things you experience, everything is going to bring you closer to the Lord or it's going to bring you farther away from the Lord. And we have the decisions to make. And oh, how we have to be careful, especially with the eye gate and the ear gate. Young teens, we have to be careful with this, with our eyes and our ears, what we listen to, the music that we listen to. You may say, well, it it, it, you know, it doesn't say anything bad about God or it doesn't say anything, you know what? It is either from the spirit of God or from the spirit of this world. And if you are listening to stuff from the spirit of this world, you're going to hear the spirit of this world that's going to speak to you. And before long, you're not going to have an appetite for the things of God because your appetite is going to be filled with the things that glitter, the things that glow, the things that everybody else is listening to has a great beat. The music is awesome. But the words, there's nothing to them. And yet there's a lot of Christian music with a great beat and awesome music. And yet the words are life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. It does. Everything out of, from life happens from our hearts. And I love what he says there, and to teach them to your children and your grandchildren. If we don't share and teach our kids the word of God, there will be a nation that comes up that doesn't know God, and I believe that we are here now. Turn with me to Judges chapter 2. And this is kind of scary because I, I literally believe we are in this place right now, and it is a scary moment in history because I remember just a, a generation ago, you know, um, when I grew up, there was uh, some semblance of of God and a reverence for him, of his word. But there are kids growing up now that have never heard the name Jesus. When you tell them about God and about Jesus, they don't even know who you're talking about. They don't know. They've never heard the word except for a swear word. And people don't even do that anymore because it's, it's Jesus' name. They don't, they, they, they don't like him so much that they'll choose a different swear word. There's certainly better ones. <laughs> right? And so... Look what it says, though, in Judges chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 7. And we're just going to read down through verse 19. And this is really uh, something that we have to be very careful of. He says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. So Moses has passed from the scene. Joshua has brought them into the promised land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great who had seen all the great and mighty works that the Lord had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was one hundred and ten years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. When all that generation had been gathered together to their fathers, in other words, when they had died another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, these false gods, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And so he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. And wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed. But nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods. They bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity, notice that, by pity, by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. And they did not cease from their own doings, nor from their own stubborn way. And so what, a, what an unfortunate thing. But see, we live in a, a, a time like this. It is true. Ken Ham, I, I, I forgot to bring it up, but he wrote this book called Gospel Reset. And the premise of the book is that we are living in that generation. It's like when you approach a young person on the street and you talk to them about God, they don't know what God you're talking about. Because in their schools, they've been taught that God could be anything. Their God could be Buddha. It could be Muhammad. It could be uh, uh, Hare Krishna. It could be David Koresh. It could be Jim Jones. It could be uh, whoever. Who is God? Big question mark. In our culture now, big question mark. They don't even know. And so we have to speak in a language that they can understand. We have to tell them the, the very basic things. Don't assume anybody knows anything. We are in a biblically illiterate culture now. Nobody knows very, very little about the Bible. And so we can't just throw out terms like redemption. Man, you need to get, you need to get washed in the blood. What's that mean? Sounds like some kind of twisted fraternity party right? (laughs) What does that mean, washed in the blood? Well, you got to talk about whose blood you're being washed in and why, and why is that blood so important? We use phrases that they don't understand, and so we have to be very simple and be very loving and kind in the process. Back to Deuteronomy in verse 10. He says, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people, to me and i will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children again notice the the extra exhortation of passing on the truth by living the example it's so important that we live the example folks i need to live that example before my daughter i can't just tell her You know as well as I do, you can tell anybody anything and they will continue to do whatever it is because if it's really important, they're going to see it in your life. They're going to see it in my life. My daughter will rarely do anything I tell her, but if she sees me doing it, she'll follow it. She'll model it. Ever seen ducks modeling after the mother? The mother goose is picking up stuff and they're looking around, what what is she doing? Well, that looks pretty good. What is that? And the mother goes, that's a worm. Eat it. It's good. Right? So they do it. They get out in the water, and she starts moving, and they start following. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen, you know? Humans do it, too. I remember um, when my daughter was born, I would stand over her crib, and I'd go, how are you? And I'd tickle her belly, right? And I'd have my mouth wide open. And you know what she did? Over time, in just a short period of time, whenever I would see her, she would automatically open her mouth wide like I was. And she was mimicking me. She was modeling me. And see, that's the way it's got to be done. It's got to be shown. It's got to be something that they can follow. And I need to do that. And just because we're older doesn't mean that it's not still as effective because people follow what they see that's right, and, and and they'll follow what you do more than what you say. So let's be those godly examples for our kids, our grandkids, teaching them. You're teaching them by your actions, by your very life. Verse 11, he says, Then you came near, and you stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire. And now he's, re- he's referring back to when they were at Mount Sinai and Horeb there. At the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven, with darkness, cloud, and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. And you heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form. You only heard the voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on tables of stone, and if you look up here on the screen, there, there's, a, there's two places where the Ten Commandments are given. They are originally given in Exodus chapter 20. And then uh, next week, we're going to be getting into verse 44 of, of this chapter and on into chapter 5. And that, it's just a reiteration, a retelling, a second telling of what God had given back at the Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. And you know, the... The Ten Commandments were given not so that we could do them and somehow be accepted by God. Paul tells that in his, in his letters. He says, you cannot do the, the, the will of God. You know, perfectly, we're not perfect people. So, the, of what God had given back at the Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. And, you know, the, the Ten Commandments were given not so that we could do them and somehow be accepted by God. Paul tells that in his in his letters. He says, you cannot do the the, the will of God. You know it perfectly. We're not perfect people. So the, the, the Ten Commandments weren't given so that we can do this and, and somehow be accepted by God. No, the, the Ten Commandments were an indictment against your nature. <laughs> and the and that was a school. That was a schooling. It was a it was a, a, a schoolmaster. Paul says the law was a schoolmaster to do what? It was to bring me somewhere, to make me acknowledge something. And make me acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I was born in sin, and it was meant to deliver me to the one who can save me, who did fulfill the Ten Commandments 100%, who fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ is the only one who has fulfilled the law. Verse 14, he says, And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. And so verse 15, he says, Take careful... Heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. You know, in Israel today, they're always unearthing stuff as they go on their digs, and they're, you know people are in their backyard gardening in Israel. And this happens all the time, all the time. They're digging in their backyard, and they're, they're, they're hoeing some ground to... to Plant some tomatoes, or some avocados, or some mango trees, and they unearth something, and they look at it, and they're, they're, they hit their tool, and they can hear a tink, 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 and then they pull it up, and they're looking at this statue made out of a woman, a woman statue or a male statue, that the Canaanites and the children of Israel used to worship. If you've ever been to the, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel or go online, you can see this stuff. The Israel Museum is filled with these little teraphim, these little, these little idols that they used to worship. And God made sure that there was no physical similitude that they could fashion or shape some kind of object and worship the object. He says, I'm not even going to give you an object to worship. I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm going to give you the truth. You need to worship me in spirit. The very spirit of God indwelling you burns within me this desire to worship. God, and I do it in spirit and in truth. I do it not based on what I feel or what I want to do. I, base, I do it based on what the Word of God tells me, how, I, how he ought to be worshiped. And we're continuing to learn, aren't we, what it means to worship God. I'm continuing to learn how to worship God, and so are all of us. He says, Lest you act corruptly and make yourselves a carved image, verse 16, in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. They didn't see a form, and they were less likely then to make an image of him and worship the image, but they worshiped other things. They couldn't worship God because he didn't give them a model, a physical representation. Isn't it just like, man, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to make myself an idol, and I'm going to worship it. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is the Ten Commandments reiterated again, which we're going to get to next week. What did he say in verse 7? He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And you shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You know, the Egyptians, their, their land was filled with light.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 146. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth.